welcome to another week's episode of Not d and I'm your host, Jessica, and this week we have with us Nathan, the lead designer from Mythcraft Games. Nathan, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Jessica. I'm thrilled to be here. I am thrilled to get to chat to you uh, about this game uh, because uh, Mythcraft is currently live um, on Kickstarter. If you go to mythcraftrpg.com, you can check it out whilst we're watching and and take a look. Um, we're also taking questions live. Um, so if you have any questions about the game or anything we're chatting about, pop it in the chat live as we go and we'll answer it on screen. Uh, thank you so much for everybody saying hi in the chat. Thanks for being here and watching. Uh, and if you're listening to the podcast, all the links to things we're talking about will be in the show notes as well. Um, so we will, of course, Nathan, talk about Mythcraft uh, and get into the game. But before um, before we get started on that, I'm very nosy, so I want to talk about you right. <laughs> and your history with RPGs. Um, so my first question is always, when? Uh, what was your first uh, TTRPG experience? What do you remember first playing? Yeah, I, I first remember playing uh, uh, D&D 3.5. Classic. I was, yes, I was in elementary school. My dad handed me some uh, character sheets and uh, said, you're a hero now, let's go on an adventure. And nice. uh, kind of guided me through a uh, 3.5 adventure. Lasted maybe four years before we, uh, you know, I got into middle school, I got busy with other extracurriculars, came back eventually for some fourth edition. But yeah, yeah that was kind of my foray into it, was with my dad and eventually with my brother. Amazing, that's really nice. It's nice that you had uh, someone in the family that could like introduce you to the world of RPGs and like fantasy and stuff, because that's... Yeah. Always a really fun way to play. Um, so started playing with that. Um, where where did you go from there? What was your journey from being somebody that's just, you know, a fan of playing games to somebody that's a, a lead designer of a game? How how did that happen? <laughs> yeah, a, a series of turns of fate, I would say. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, in uh, middle school and high school, I started uh, uh, game mastering. Um, my <laughs> my brothers in chat. Hi, Nico. Um, <laughs> he, uh, uh, so I, I DM'd for him and for a couple of our other friends. I uh, played mm -hmm. the Star Wars uh, D20 system, mm -hmm. uh, which is either by TSR or Hasbro. I can't remember off the top of my head, but okay. I stayed within the D&D family for, for a while um, sure. doing those kinds of games. Mm -hmm. um, in high school, I designed uh, two of my own role-playing games, and that was kind of oh. my first experience doing that. Um, they mm -hmm. were designed by one or two people and were not balanced and didn't consider a lot of things but we had we had a lot <laughs> okay. of fun with them I, I was about to say did they still stand up but it sounds like you're not quite as confident in them now <laughs> I, think, I think the ideas stand up more than the mechanics do um right, i mean right. they're they're based on fandoms that i was really into at the time um, oh yeah sure I, yeah you know so i i had a lot of fun with it with with my friends we would play them on and off for four years but yeah awesome. i think i think they would need a facelift if i were to release either of them <laughs> Fair enough. So, uh, so after kind of playing around with that, um, how did you how did you get involved with like kind of this project and like if we could talk about the Homebrew Network a little bit and how how that's involved with Mythcraft? Yeah, the Homebrew Network, uh, which you can find at actualplaypods.com, it it started in uh, 2020, I believe. Um, I wasn't one of the original um, founders of the Homebrew Network, um, but. It is a uh, platform of uh, podcasts and uh, live stream uh, uh, shows. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, Grant uh, Milky and his like friend group started with mm -hmm. The Homebrew, which is the first uh, podcast to start the network. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, 
found me through some of the um, DMs Guild content that I wrote back in uh, the pandemic. Um, mm -hmm. That was when I really started releasing some of my own D&D awesome. content. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and so then they picked me up and uh, it got me to start a second uh, show, Sanity Damage. Um, from there, we added the third show, Power Word Fail. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, most recently, we added the live stream show, which is World Weavers. And so those are our four shows. Right. Um, I'm involved. Like I, I run Sanity Damage, and I'm a... Uh, player character. I play Miraz the Magnificent in Power Word Fail. So amazing, yeah. and that's that's why you have a very professional setup behind you with like soundboards. Yes, and stuff. lots of podcasting. Yeah. yeah, excellent, excellent. It makes puts me to shame really because I've just got board games <laughs> with my sound buffer, which works surprisingly well. But yeah, yeah. but it does. <laughs> anyway, okay, awesome. So yeah, you get involved with the Homebrew Network. Where did uh, let's talk a little bit about Mythcraft. Um, mm -hmm. How did how did this uh, how did this journey begin? How did the where did the idea form for this game? Well, in uh, all of our actual plays, we've done a lot of homebrewing. I mean, it's called the Homebrew Network, so that's kind sure. of um, you know uh, the homebrew itself. That that first podcast is sci-fi, and so there's a lot of homebrewing involved there. Mine is uh, sanity damage, like given the name sanity damage, it is Lovecrafty and it focuses a lot on horror elements. And so I tried to figure out like a sanity point system. I tried sure. around with different magic items. Um, if you listen to the show, you'll hear a lot of that. And so for a long time, we've been tweaking other role-playing games and trying to make mm -hmm. them better for what we were doing. Um, I've obviously made a few games myself in the past. Uh, Grant has tinkered a lot with rules and with coming up with his own game system as well and so mm -hmm. it's been kind of an ongoing conversation for some time and then uh, obviously this past january with the ogl debacle and everything that happened <laughs> but let's yeah. move up our timetable a little bit like let's let's move away from a system that is going to be unreliably available for us to use like let's mm -hmm. Let's make our own game. Let's make it available for anyone to do what they want with it instead of um, amazing, yeah. Uh, you know, going the very capitalistic route that we've seen from Wizards of the Coast. So mm -hmm. we thought let's let, let's just distance ourselves from that as much as we can. So we figured the time was right, the ideas were there. Let's let's go ahead and bring this into the world. Yeah, I've heard that from a lot of people that there's loads of ideas running around and January really just put into place of, hey, maybe this isn't stable and safe. Maybe this is the push we need to to actually do it, you know. Yeah. Um, but so about Mythcraft, uh, if you hadn't someone if people haven't heard of it, so it's on obviously on Kickstarter now, so people can, can check it out and, and listen here. But if they've never heard of it, what's the elevator pitch? How do you describe it to people? Yeah, Mythcraft is a medium crunch D20 role-playing game system. So it is fairly easy and intuitive to learn. We've had a lot of people who haven't played role-playing games before who have picked it up That's pretty fun. easily. Um, but it is also deeply, extremely customizable. And so mm -hmm. whether you like building your character based on the story of the character or based on the min-maxing, like number crunching that goes on under the hood, like the the system the character creation system of mythcraft will appeal to both of those uh play styles amazing and um talking a little bit more in depth kind of uh, about the game so let's like you say it's it's a your own system that you kind of worked on um so let, let's get into the details of it really yeah. um so one of the key things i looked at um when i was looking through was the idea of kind of action points in the game so could you talk us through how how that fits in the system yeah so this is one of our big like new pillars that we're bringing to the game and 
there there are other role playing games that have some version of action points, but I think mm-hmm. we're really taking it up to the next step. So oh, cool. we're bringing it to the next level. So mm-hmm. let's uh, use the example on screen here. Let's say a character has five action points. Mm-hmm. And that's the number of action points that they get on each of their turns to spend to do different things. So okay, cool. typically moving will take one action point. If you run further, it might be two or three, depending depending on how far you want to move. Okay. Um, attacking usually will take two action points. If you're if you're not very strong and you're using a giant axe, it might take more because you're just clumsy with that weapon. But let's say this halfling knows how to use that sword he's holding. So it'll mm-hmm. take him one action point to to move, two to attack, and then uh, another one to move away. That's kind of the breakdown of the numbers we see there. Okay. So if he's got five action points, he runs up, now he has four. He attacks, now he has two. And then he runs away, now he has one. And then with that last action point, let's say he doesn't use it, so it's just left over. Okay. He can now use it if he has any like reactive actions or reaction abilities. He can use it um, oh, okay. when it's not his turn. So. Mm-hmm. Someone runs away from him and he like hamstrings them and they stumble and they don't get as far away as they would otherwise. Or okay. if uh, he doesn't look much like a cleric, but let's say he's a cleric. Um, he's got like some healing abilities um, mm-hmm. on uh, someone else's turn. They like lose hit points. They go down to zero hit points and he uses a reactive spell to pop them back up to like two or three hit points. Um, so that's one use of action points that you don't use on your turn is you can hold cool. them over and think about Think about what you can do, not just on your turn, but yeah. each each round, um, so how you contribute to the game. Cool. So it's like focusing on trying to be really collaborative and being a, a team of, of people playing together. Right. Um, what, what happens to your action point if you don't um, if you don't like use it until your next? Is it just it's there until your next turn and then it resets? Or I, I'm assuming it doesn't stacks. So it actually a... does stack to oh my uh, to a limit. That's <laughs> okay. yeah, that's where we go a little bit further than some other games that I've seen. Um, that's very cool. Please tell me about that. <laughs> yeah, so obviously it is limited because otherwise you could hide behind a tree for five rounds and then run out and destroy the entire battlefield. And that's what uh, I was thinking. Like as right, somebody who yeah. play tests and tries to break games, I was like, hmm, yeah. can I can I be a problem with this? <laughs> so what's um, the limit? Yeah. Yeah. So the the limit right now is um, you can't hold over more than. A, half your level plus one and we always round up in Minecraft. Okay. so at levels nice. one and two you can you can hold over two action points at levels three okay. and four you can hold over three uh and so on so it would uh i suppose at level 30 we go up to level 30 at level mm-hmm. 30 you could hold over like 16 action points which wow. at that point you could get into some like game breaking stuff but it's also level 30 so yeah level 30 is like you're really this epic heroic right. demigod i believe at that level i'd imagine yeah. so you're, yeah so it makes sense that you're going to do some really cool stuff and save up for it that right. sounds really interesting i love i love how that works um as it's on the screen we've got kind of attributes and defenses um there could you talk us through um how they work in the game sure uh, so we've got three physical attributes, three mental attributes, and two metaphysical attributes. So mm-hmm. the first six are going to be familiar. They're in a lot of games. Um, strength, dexterity, endurance, mm-hmm. awareness, intellect, and charisma. Sure. And then the, the two that are less familiar, that are newer to Mythcraft, are coordination and luck. Uh, mm-hmm. Coordination ties directly back to action points. So for every two points you have in coordination, you get one additional action point. Mm-hmm. Um at four coordination oh sorry so by default you have three action points so if you have four coordination that goes up to five action points got Um, it okay yeah and then luck is just 
another ability for when things are really left up to serendipity, right? Like if you're scrounging around, especially in like a survival-based game, there will be times when investigation or perception or like foraging skills don't quite cover the the scope of a, what a what a myth crafter or a game master might need for a role. So sure. if you're like looking to see how many arrows you can salvage, I might just ask for a luck check instead of mm-hmm. a like investigation check. Okay. Um, yeah. So luck contributes in that way, but it also lets you re-roll a number of d20s depending on your luck score. So if your luck is two, then two times per day you can just re-roll a d20, and it can be yours or an enemy's mm-hmm. or an ally's. You just change fate oh, just a little bit. Very versatile. I'm picking up on that versatile, flexible thing you were talking about in the system. Yeah. It's definitely shining through in the rules. And we do have a question about what we're talking about uh, with the kind of the the action point system. It's a two part question, but I'm just going to focus on the first part first, and we'll come to the second part later. Um, but the question is: uh, so, would somebody be able to attack twice and have a reaction with the five points if they have five points, for example? Is there a limit to how many things you can do in a turn? Like, could you, in theory, could you use all fact five action points to do the same thing or how does that yeah, work? Yeah, in theory you could. And so narratively, mm-hmm. this will really depend on what kind of battle you're in and what your allies are up to. Like you will just naturally start thinking more in terms of the round instead of just your turn. So yeah, let's say you've got those five action points. You could uh, attack twice, save that mm-hmm. last action point, use it reactively. Or mm-hmm. if you don't use it reactively, then you'll have six action points on your next turn from saving it. So you could do three on the following Then you turn. could attack three times, exactly. If you were just playing this barbarian, you're just standing there just wailing on something, you could just get yeah. Amazing. Well, that yeah. segues us really nicely to talk into combat a little bit. Um, so on the page, you say you've kind of reimagined combat. And obviously, t- I mean, just talking about the action point system, I can see how that's already in place. But tell me more about combat. Yeah, uh, combat is, again, focusing more on each individual round than a specific turn because you are able to break up your action points a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Um, You don't get that by default, so you do have to invest a little bit in that kind of build. So support classes tend to work a lot better um, on other people's turns than just on their own. Clerics, um, troubadours, which are the equivalent to a bard, I just... I like the word troubadour more, and I feel like it encapsulates more it, bardiness. It sounds fancier, doesn't it? Yeah. So it yeah. sounds like somebody that does this when they bow. Uh, right. which, uh, if you're listening to the podcast, that was a little flourish and a, 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 with my <laughs> hand I did while I bowed. But yeah. yeah. A, a troubadour is the kind of person who sings like toss a coin to your witcher, yes. I think. so. Amazing. Okay, um, great. Yeah, so those those support classes, they can spend their action points. Um, they'll, they'll have a lot of ways to spend their action points on other people's turns to... Mm-hmm like the cleric example, pop an ally back up from zero health, or mm-hmm. um, a, a popular one in our playtesting has been a, a divine ward where a cleric can boost their allies' um, armor against incoming attacks. So it's kind of like mm-hmm. a, in it's it's like a shield that you apply to someone else. So sure. um, yeah, so we, we'll see a lot more of that from the support classes, from the cool. uh, more like attack or like combat focused classes. You mentioned the mm-hmm. Uh, the berserker um mm-hmm. they uh, some of them will have additional ways to get action points berserkers mm-hmm. have rage action points which they only use on attacks nice. and so mm-hmm. that like channels that frenzy mm-hmm. um as for how combat actually works it's um fairly similar to a lot of like grid-based role-playing games uh you okay. could i think you could do gridless with mythcraft but i definitely recommend gridded because we have like 
uh, we have flanking that's based on like your position on the board, that kind of sure. thing. Like it has more of a war gamey feel than some other like rules light systems or like fifth edition. Um, okay, cool. So yeah, you you want to get your minis out and, and and have something pretty to look at while you're playing then. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I mean, I'm a fan of that just because I love minis, I love painting, I, I mean, love that whole side of the hobby. But yes, I mean, who doesn't? Um, who doesn't? Right. But I know some yeah. people that have used gummy bears instead as well. As I, I actually did that too once. Yeah. yeah. When I was I was short on minis. I was um, at a hotel and I was like, I I want to play D anD D, but I don't have any of my stuff with me. So mm-hmm. also, uh, what it meant whoever killed the monster get to eat the eat the gummy bear as well. Yes. So that's another nice thing. Yeah, classic, yeah. classic. We love it. We're on that. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah. Going back to combat, though, because instead of gummy bears, this is a podcast about rather than games, so I'll fix on that. Um, death points is something you mentioned to me a little bit earlier. Um, so I'm going to give you the chance to, to to talk about death points. That sounds very fun. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it does. It does. I... How cheerful and fun. Death points. But <laughs> <Right>. sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I believe that dying should be a meaningful and, again, ironically enjoyable experience in a role-playing game <laughs> okay, um, yeah. in a role-playing game sure I yeah think, yeah no no I'm yeah. Bored. <laughs> I, I think that there's a lot of systems that i've seen that do a disservice to people when they are dying or when they're bleeding out um mm-hmm. you know in in dnd in uh, every edition that i can recall as soon as you hit zero health you're unconscious and uh, sure. you start making death saves or whatever the mm-hmm. edition's equivalent of that is. Sure. Um, and that's, I, I've seen that to be fairly typical across a lot of like crunchier rules, heavy games. Um, and that just bums me out because if I'm, if I'm a player, then I wait 40 minutes for it to come back to my turn. I roll a die. I see whether I'm more or less stable. And then I wait 40 more minutes. And so in designing Mythcraft, I wanted to not do that. Um, and what we've come up with is a system where once you hit zero hit points, you're not unconscious, but you begin accruing death points. Mm-hmm. Um, if you end your turn with zero health, you get a death point. If okay. you uh, take damage or would take damage and you're at zero health, then you get two death points. And once that collectively adds up to eight or adds up to nine, if you're a cat folk, then at that point you die. Okay. Oh, nine for cafe, perfect. Yeah, love yeah. it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So that's that. Me. Okay. So it feels like combat can build then. So it's not like completely brutal combat. So it's not like one and down. You have like there's lots of different ways to get to it, but it's you can feel like the hero and go into combat, and it's not like you're completely fragile. And so with that, those eight eight things, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, even at level one, it, there's there's a chance that you might lose all of your health in one in one go right just because you don't have very much hit points but even mm-hmm. once you do you still have those death points so you can choose to not be the hero today and run away mm-hmm. and regroup or you can choose to i i always reference boromir like yeah. I, a minor spoiler for a thing that's been out for <laughs> years but um i i just love that scene and that like redemptive moment and i want yeah. players to be able to experience it in yeah in like a mechanical sense Oh, that's so good. That's such a good reference. I literally yesterday I sat down and watched all three extended editions of Lord of the Rings. So that's such a timely reference. It's it's imprinted in my mind. Um, but yeah, someone's had asked a question about does uh, hit points ever go under zero? So do you get into the minuses of it? They were just clarifying. No, no, we yeah. don't mess with that. Just once you're down to zero, you're at zero. Start getting death points. Yeah. 
Amazing. Um, so cool. That's, uh, thanks for sharing death points with us and things. Um, we talked about kind of combat and things, but we haven't touched on spellcasting just yet. So I was wondering if we could talk about spellcasting and how magic works and what that looks like um, in this world. Yeah, that's something that Grant and I are under the hood tinkering with uh, on an ongoing basis right now. So we're having a ton of fun with it. Um, Cut off the press then, okay. Yeah, yeah. So uh, magic, you can you can access magic through one of five sources. Uh, as you can see here, we've got arcane, divine, primal, psionic, and occult. And each of these sources of magic kind of dictate the rules of uh, magic for you. So um trying to think how I can give examples in a succinct way. Uh, let's say like psionic magic generally comes from within you. It's like the the meditation okay. and elevation of your own soul so that you can affect the world around you. Okay, cool. Um, arcane is studying the fundamental like creation material of the universe. Like okay. magic in this world is as fundamental as like gravity. So sure. the arcane source is like going directly to that and trying to learn and figure that out. Mm -hmm. um, divine obviously is through a god, but then that god mm -hmm. in turn actually gets their magic from the arcane source. So Okay. Um, sure. Yeah. So going like going directly to the arcane source is powerful but dangerous. Going mm -hmm. like through belief or um, communal with like a deific being gives you kind of a buffer, and then you've got to deal with like their temper and whatever what responsibilities you have for worshiping them. Um, sure. But you're sheltered from like the really harmful effects of yeah of the arcane source. So okay. That makes um, sense. So in like a capitalist analogy, like arcane is like gambling on the stock market and divine is like having a job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Okay. Got it. I'm yeah. on board. That's um, great. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So each of the five different sources have like, um, have different ways that they work in mm -hmm. uh, uh, the lore of Mythcraft mm -hmm. and that affects the rules of like what kind of spells you can cast and exactly okay. how those work and interact with each other. Mm -hmm. Cool. So I guess that's linked to uh, kind of character class and um, you know kind of what, what you choose and what sort of character you have um, so let's get a little bit into kind of character uh, bits and pieces but before I just noticed we have a question which is a good question to ask um, so uh, when do death points reset they were just asking oh, yeah. clarification on yeah um, death points accumulate throughout an adventuring day so combats mm -hmm. can become more and more deadly as you go on in that sense okay. Um, when you recoup, which is an hour of little to no activity, then you mm -hmm. remove one death point. Okay. And when you rest, which is the whole eight hour deal, then sure. you remove all of your death points and reset. Cool. Um, Excellent. That was a great yeah. question. Thank you very yeah. much. You. Um, but anyway, I'm going to segue us back to talking about characters, because uh, there was a question about character classes and do all classes wield magic since there are different types. Um, so from what I understand, there's a you you committed to about 11 separate character classes, uh, but you've done so well in the campaign that you've hit some stretch goals and you're now up to 13. Yeah. Um, so tell me a bit about character classes and uh, how they interact with magic. Sure. So no, not all classes... Uh access magic by default, it is very easy to custom design your character in such a way that they will um, gain access to magic. And mm -hmm. that's you can do that through generic like talents that aren't related to your specific class. You can just kind of do mm -hmm. that on the side. But um, let's see, should I just like go through the list of classes that we've 
Unlocked. Yeah, if, if you want to pick out some examples, uh, but also it is worth noting that you do have two extra classes that uh, you're close to getting with a new stretch goal. So if you want to shout about them, you know, to encourage yeah. people to back, feel free. Yeah, sure. Uh, I don't have them pulled up right now, so I'm going to go by memory. Uh, okay. We've got the uh, Berserker, Cleric, mm -hmm. uh, Mage, Oracle, which is going to be like your uh, nature-y and or psionic um, person who... Okay communes and meditates like think about bjorn sure. from the hobbit or think about like any of the jedi like that's kind of your oracle okay cool um let's see your uh tinkerer troubadour nice. again um yeah yeah warrior witch ranger rogue and zealot those okay. are our base 11 nice um okay had to have the witch in there because that's like everyone cool. loves witches and they're they're not well represented in in a lot of games right now um tell me about the witch then how does that if if that's something people are excited about yeah and somebody's just written witch in the chat so <laughs> yes yes yeah. tell us more about the witch is what we yeah. want to hear about that, yeah that's a great example for spell casting so when you uh, when you become a witch you get to pick whether you uh, are um whether you draw your magic from the primal source or the mm -hmm. occult source so are okay. you Kind of a naturey fairy telly witch, or are you more like Scarlet Witch? You know, from like the Dark Hold and drawing power and whatever. Okay, cool. So um, Cottage Core or Marvel, got it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you can uh, really shape what kind of magic you have access to and how mm -hmm. you realize your witchiness. Um, one of the core features of the witch is she starts the game with a familiar. And she's only the only class to do that. So um, great. Um, okay, sold. Yeah, done. Yeah. Yeah, so you can have your your cat, your crow. Um, you you can narratively decide whatever you want to, but like rules as written, you can change that out on a long rest, and so you can change what kind of creature you have with you. Um, let's see what else about what else about the witch or about spellcasting? I guess um, getting a little bit more into spellcasting with the witch as like mm -hmm. or holding the witch in mind. Mm -hmm. um, there are three different like types of magic that you might cast and this is going to be a little bit different depending on which source you pull from but you've got your mm -hmm. spells you've got your um let, 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 let me just start with spells that'll make the other ones easier so okay with with spells you've got action points which we've talked about and you've got spell sure. points and yeah. each each spell has like costs let's say three action points and four spell okay. points so you yeah. just keep track of action points round by round obviously because you get them mm -hmm. back Spell points are yours over the course of the day, and once you use them all, then you've got to rest to get them all back. Okay, so, cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that that issues the kind of problem with the fancy and magic system and the difficulties that you run into about like justifying how and why that works in a story. Um, mm -hmm. And instead, it's just like you know, if you want to spend a, or cast a more powerful spell, you just mm -hmm. have to spend more spell points and burn through them more quickly in the day. So sure. That makes yeah. that makes perfect sense. Um, so speaking about classes, we've got loads of cool different character classes there. Like you say, more being unlocked throughout the Kickstarter as well, which is really exciting to see. Um, but uh, diving into kind of uh, characters and, and creating your character, um, we've also got uh, different lineages as well. So if we could talk through some of the different options we have there. Yeah, yeah. Um, let me touch real quick on the two classes that we're close to unlocking with our, uh, oh, sure. our yes. scratch goal. Yeah. Uh, we've got the Magus. So, you know, spell sword, sword mage, mm -hmm. like that, cool, cool. that trope, yeah. that really fun trope. Mm -hmm. And we've got the Scion, which obviously mm -hmm. is like another really popular like, trope that I think a lot of people are excited for. So, yeah. 
being Matilda, pretty much. Got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So I'm (laughs) super excited for that. Um, I would love to play Matilda in a Mythcraft game. Who who wouldn't want to be? She's very cool. Um, Okay, cool. So they're the next two to be unlocked on the Kickstarter. Um, As we've mentioned previously, um, if you want to check out what we're talking about, if you go to MythcraftRPG.com, it's linked to the campaign there, so you can check that out there um but yeah talking about different lineages and and maybe just if we talk about character creation in general actually and give an overview of it because we've kind of got into the details but i haven't done an overview i know you've tried to make character creation kind of really flexible but like approachable so yeah if we could talk about kind of how you approach that yeah so i think to do that i'll I'll basically walk through designing a character from level Mm -hmm. one up to level two or three and that'll Give kind of a good example of how that works. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, at level one, you pick your lineage, and uh, we've got some classic fantasy tropes. You know, we've got humans, elves, dwarves. We have some fun, uh, new, um, unique classes, or sorry, unique lineages that mm-hmm. um, that are new to Mythcraft. So, nice. Um, I mentioned the cat folk, and like a, yes. a a fantasy cat person is not a new thing, but you know, we're we're figuring out new lore for all of our creatures that we're bringing in. So, uh-huh, sure. Um, yeah, the cat folk with the nine death points or nine lives. I love um, that little touch. That's very nice. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, we've got Kleppin, which are like critter folk. Um, so kind of mouse guard or red wall like that vibe. You know, you've got or Narnia, nice. Reap Achieve, all of those like mm-hmm. lovable little creatures. Sure. Um, uh, Dragon Folk, that's another one that I think, um, mm-hmm. or I know that one's been done before. Um, sure. But uh, we've got little, uh, I, this one might be new. This might be a new drop that people haven't uh, mentioned anywhere else before, but we've got. Oh, Scoop. Okay. Yeah. We've got, we've got creatures called Tibbin, which are like little nature okay. troll folk, like oh, cool. gnome, gnome adjacent. Mm-hmm. frozen troll adjacent but just like right. yeah just like little nature guys that so like kind of magic-y fey creatures of the earth type yeah. sort of things yeah nice like it okay cool um so loads of different options there so you start you choose your lineage where yes. do we go from there yeah so your lineage will give you a base lineage feature and then it will mm-hmm. let you pick one additional feature of your choice because we're mm-hmm. we're moving away from like lineages being monoliths that all have like the uh-huh. same abilities so there there is something that every lineage has mm-hmm. and then there's like a list of options that you pick from based on your lineage um okay and uh, you uh, pick again from that list every five levels thereafter so levels mm-hmm. 5 10 15 all the way up to 30 um allowing kind of reflecting your growth and maturity as you um move through the adventure cool um yeah, so that's lineage. Second step is um, you pick your background and your occupation. Mm-hmm. Um, occupation is a lot more role play focused than mm-hmm. like your classes and your talents will be, but it gives okay. you really cool like narrative options. Like if you're a if you're a soldier, then uh, um, if you're if you're a level one soldier, then you can find like free room and board when you're in a territory controlled by your military and then if you're like a level five soldier then at that point you are considered a general and can levy troops to go to war for you and that kind of stuff so those like yeah you you don't get a new uh, occupational like level every time you level up obviously Mm -hmm. because that's a that's a wide jump from like yeah you know from a infantryman to a general um Mm -hmm. so Part of that is based on what kind of game the MC wants to run. Uh, when I say mm-hmm. M- MC, I just mean Game Master, Mythcrafter. Sure. Okay, yeah. Um, so 
generally the MC will hand out a level up in your occupation every five or six levels. So okay. that takes you easily from levels one to mid twenties by the mm -hmm. time you're a general. Um, the uh, let's see, we've got two steps left for creating a level one character. So we've got our lineage, we've got our occupation. Um, now we assign five points to our eight attributes, okay. um, strength down through luck. Um, and uh, you can uh, take a negative penalty to something to give yourself another point. So you can kind of play into like the, the play into or play against tropes if you want to play the okay. dumb barbarian, play the um, socially awkward wizard, whatever you want to mm -hmm. do. Yeah. Um, and uh, again, observe or I, sorry, I shouldn't say again. I don't think I touched on this yet. Um, in the same way that your action points are limited to half your level plus one. Sure. Um, yeah. Your the maximum number of points you can have in an attribute follow that same limitation. So, oh okay, yeah. Right. So at, at levels one and two, you can't have more than a two in your strength, and then that goes up to mm -hmm. three at levels three and four, etc. Okay, yeah, um, yeah. So those are the three out of the four decisions you make at level one. Okay. Last decision is your talent point, and this is like the mm -hmm. big like thing that makes Mythcraft what it is. So okay, great, yeah. Um. Your your talent point is going to be a basic like thing that you can do, and that might be an active ability. It might be a passive ability. Examples are like basic dual wield or mm -hmm. initiate of the occult if you want to start working on occult spell casting. Mm -hmm. um, light armor mastery if you want to get better at that. Um, you know they feel like feats or talents from other game systems. It's that that kind of thing. Okay. Um, cool. Yeah. So we've got a level one character. Nice. Uh, and then uh, at level two, and at level mm -hmm. at, at every level thereafter, you get one additional talent point to put okay. into your eight attributes. Mm -hmm. um, I'm I'm sorry, you get one additional attribute point to put into your eight attributes. Got, okay, and yeah. you get and you get one additional um, talent point. So by level thirty, you'll have thirty four talent points. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, I keep saying talent point when I mean attribute point. Thirty four attribute, attribute point. points. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, thirty talent points, and so. At that point, you'll have full customization over like what talents you've chosen, where you've assigned your attribute points, all of that. Fantastic. And um, so we have our level, so we have our level two character at that point. Uh, so what happens at level three? Because you mentioned one to three gives you a good example sure. of it. So yeah, so I guess at level three, I would just get into some specific examples because levels two through thirty are all the same. You get one attribute point and one talent point. Okay, yeah. Um, what's what's special about level two is that's when you unlock the classes. So at level one, right. you're just an adventurer, and that's again, I think something fairly unique to MythCraft, at least as mm -hmm. like crunchier games go. So sure, you start as just an adventurer, and you could stay as just a classless adventurer for all thirty levels if you wanted to. Okay. At level two, you could take a class, and then at every level thereafter, you could take a talent point that's just a generic like adventuring talent point, mm -hmm. or you could take a talent point from the options that your class gives you. So, okay, yep, um, exciting stuff at level two. Nice, yeah, um, that's quite nice. Like from a role play perspective as well, like narratively, because then level one, you're just this silly guy walking around the world figuring stuff out and then maybe something happens in your story that leads you to choose your character class or something so that could be a really nice way from a roleplay perspective yeah. um we've had a question about multi-classing which is fun uh, so they've asked specifically can you multi-class occupations that we talked about before you can and that's something that 
again, would largely be up to the uh, MC. That's something that would emerge over the course of the game. Mm -hmm. There are a couple options within specific occupations that let you bounce across to another occupation. So an example mm -hmm. of that would be, um, an example might be you start out as an aristocrat and you're working mm -hmm. on becoming a knight. And once you are knighted, okay. you have a certain number of like aristocrat levels but because you're knighted, you also have like some level of credibility in the military. And so you're counted as both like a, a knight and a soldier to different levels. So awesome. there's there's a couple options like that built within the mechanics. But otherwise, yes, depending on role play and what your MC um, rewards you with, like that's mm -hmm. a great reward for completing a quest. It's yeah. like gaining a level of an occupation. Amazing. And speaking of multi-classing, can that work with character classes as well? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So... Again, just every every time you level up and get a talent point, you can spend that on entering into a new class, or you can spend mm -hmm. that on a class you already have, or just on specialization talents. Perfect. Um, so we talked a bit about kind of character creation, that the characters we're going to be playing, uh, the kind of uh, how the game mechanically works, because that's something I think I really wanted to show off. Um, but the second part to your question earlier was talking about genre. Um, so they're saying about, we talk about races, magic, and things like that. So obviously this is kind of like a high fantasy uh, for, for things we're kind of talking about with the book. But I understand there's different genres that you've got planned. Uh, could you tell us about the different genres and how they interact with the game? Yes. So we have uh, we have four um, super eons or different eras of gameplay that we have planned. Mm -hmm. uh, two of them are unlocked for the initial Kickstarter. So we were going to start by doing high fantasy. We sure. hit the stretch goal to include Perfect. ancient and uh, pre-magic as well. So that's like prehistoric, like dawn of civilization, dinosaurs mixed in with it all. Nice. Um, okay. Yeah. So those are the two that we've unlocked so far. Uh, the mm -hmm. other two we will do at a future point uh, or mm -hmm. like our Kickstarter will just like absolutely blow through the roof in the last few days and then we'll do it this year as well. But hey, those other not? two, yeah, we'll see. Uh, but those other two uh, super eons are post-apocalyptic and uh, sci-fi. Okay. Right, nice, and, okay. Yeah, so we've got kind of the whole breadth and then Steampunk and modern will be in there somewhere as part of the like late stage fantasy or early stage post-apocalyptic. Like there, there'll be room for that too. But that's uh, that's a little bit further down the road in terms of like official content. Sure. So it um, seems like this Kickstarter is going really well, but you've got stuff planned even for like beyond. There's already stuff that's kind of working yeah. through. It sounds awesome. Um, so in terms of like the different genres, how does that interact differently with the rules? Is it the same core rules, but you just get different like backgrounds and occupations or classes or, or what does that look like? Yeah. So same core rules, generally the same classes. Um, mm -hmm. Generally each Super Eon adds additional classes. So if we start chronologically with the ancient one, um, mm -hmm. magic hasn't been discovered and isn't well understood by anyone yet. So the, uh, that limits like half the classes. Um, mm -hmm. Of course, play it how you want to. It's your table. Um, if you want to have wizards and dinosaurs in the same world, go for it. I love it. That yeah. sounds awesome. Genre match, um, yeah. Yeah, right. But like in the in the official lore of Mythcraft, uh, we would start with just the like non-magical classes for that mm -hmm. super eon, move into the high fantasy one, and that adds all of the base classes that I've talked about. Mm -hmm. um, Post-apocalyptic, once we get there, that'll add some more unique classes like gunslinger or scrapper, like kind of Borderlands vibe classes. Nice, okay. Um, 
and uh, sci-fi does the same thing uh pilot technician um mechanic whatever however that looks for the sci-fi world so each genre will add additional classes uh mm -hmm. same with uh lineages so we've got different options where that's concerned as well we've got like dino folk for the um ancient superion so that'll mm -hmm. be fun and uh for your own uh, um for your own games it's very easy to customize the world and lore mm -hmm. of your game using mythcraft content so given that each class for example is organized into stacks and you can think of those kind of like um skill trees in like a video game mm -hmm. um as an mc you can decide you know this this sub stack of the cleric class doesn't fit mm -hmm. the world that i've built so we're not mm -hmm. going to use that stack but you can still be a cleric and just use the other stuff um or I, that's that's where homebrew comes in right like it's sure. pretty easy to figure out how to add a new stack if you want to or to port a stack from one class onto another and then you've made your own homebrew class so um yeah so you can really do that depending on what kind of a genre you want if you want to go from like epic fantasy to dark fantasy any of those kind of conversions should be pretty easy Fantastic. I mean, it, it's shining through the whole homebrew network thing with all the options for you to like edit. It kind of sounds like RPGs with Legos, like you take this bit because I want it there yeah. and you can make it um, kind of how you want it to be. Um, so there's a question about Fae lineages as well. Uh, so they're up to be unlocked as a stretch goal on the campaign. Um, so they're asking, is there versions of the Fae Wild and other dimensions? Like what, what are your plans with that? Good note. Who is that? Um, Big Biz dot dot dot. They've, uh, um, They've read the Kickstarter thoroughly. That's impressive. Uh, yes, they're, maybe they're a backup. <laughs> yeah, we've we've got a uh, um, we've got a Planescape in the works. We've got a mm -hmm. um, a Fae ish thing. It's called the Everwilds. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not going to say more about it right now, other than it's there and it has some cool stuff going on. Okay, cool. So to be com more coming on the way. Um, speaking of the game and like kind of the timeline, so Kickstarter is going really well. It's got like 10 days left at the time of recording. Um, and kind of the plan I understand is to do kind of some playtesting in July. Um, so if people are interested and want to get involved in that, what's the best way to kind of get involved and get in touch with you? Yeah, um, playtesting is open to anyone who is backed at a $15 or higher tier. So Okay, great. Um, you know, if you if you want to be involved in playtesting, then thank you. I look <laughs> forward to seeing what everyone comes up with. Um, yeah, any any tier, fifteen dollar or higher, will get you access to that. We mm -hmm. are working on building out an official um, playtest Discord for MythCraft. Okay. Um, cool. So that's where we'll do a lot of like feedback and polls on on power balance and all of that. But uh, for now, to get in contact with us, the best way is to go to our um, Homebrew Network Discord. And that mm -hmm. would be discord.gg slash um, the homebrew podcast. Yeah, cool. And I think that's linked yeah. on the actual playpods.com yes. website as well. Um, yep. So if you click the link through to there, you'll be able to find it that way as well. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Um, and so when uh, people, so like plans are in motion, playtesting is going to be happening. When are people kind of, would it be like next year, 2024, people will be actually getting their copies of the game or? Yes, yeah, we're... Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's still a little bit early to know exact dates for that, but we're planning sure. on shipping everything out in January of 2024. So awesome. yeah, that's kind Great. of our timetable. 
Sounds good. Um, my So we've kind of gone through a lot of things in the game there. So we've gone through kind of the, the top line of the rules, like the action point systems, you know, death points, talent points, how the spellcasting works, character creation, and uh, the genre. Um, are there any other elements of the game that, that you want to brag about or something that I should have asked you and I, and I just didn't? And we've hit on a lot of it. Um, I, yeah, I can't think of it. Yeah, any. we've covered it. Awesome. Well, that's good to know. I was just checking. I didn't forget to ask you anything. Right. Um, you. I do have another question for you, though, not necessarily related to the Mythcraft, but related to tabletop RPGs. Um, and that is, do you have any recommendations for any tabletop RPGs? But the rules of the question are, it can't be D&D because the show name. And it also can't be a game that you've made because we've just spent close to an hour talking about your game. So anyone else you'd like to spotlight? Yes. Um, two. Awesome. See, they are wildly different games, but Ooh, they've nice. been really influential to me in terms of like game design. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, the first is Icon's superpowered role playing. Nice. There we go. Um, it's a rules light superhero game. Um, mm-hmm. Tons of fun. Character creation is like is really fun, both if you do it intentionally and if you do it randomly. They have like mm-hmm. roll randomly to see what powers you generate. Um, sure. So that one's really fun. Highly recommend Icon's. Um, and the other one is this beefy tome, um, Zweihander Grim and Perilous RPG. Oh, I've not heard um, of that one. Okay, it's uh, this one it's I have tome. yet to play. It's a yeah, tome. Okay. So yeah. I've, I've played many, many Icons campaigns. I've sure. done mm-hmm. like Icons, it's a 2D6 system. It's very easy to play just on the fly. So I've done mm-hmm. a lot of that. Um, Zweihander is like, it's the Game of Thrones of role playing games. Like, stubbing your toe could cause you to get an infection that kills you in a week. Um, oh wow! It's, okay, yeah, nice. it's it's intense. Well, I haven't, <laughs> I haven't played a game of this yet, but okay. Uh, yeah, those are the two I would highly recommend. I've really enjoyed reading them both, and um, they've influenced a lot of thoughts bouncing around. That's awesome! Thanks so much for those recommendations. Um, if uh, you, I didn't answer your question in the chat. I apologize if I didn't get to it. Or if you're watching this later or listening to the podcast and have questions you want to ask about, I think the best place to get in touch would be to go to mythcraftrpg.com and interact with the Kickstarter there via the comments and the updates. And there's also a Twitter page as well of the Homebrew D&D, um, where I'm sure you can get in touch and ask questions. Um, and maybe via the Discord channel as well and actualplaypods.com. So I'm sure those three places, if I didn't ask Nathan the correct questions and you've been screaming at your screen, um, if you go to those places there, you can ask directly yourself, I'm sure. Um, Nathan, thanks so much for your time, for coming on and uh, sharing Mythcraft with us. Um, Thank you, Jessica. Uh, I'm so excited to see the Kickstarter doing well and excited to see uh, for the playtesting and seeing what happens. Um, But yeah, so be sure to stay in touch and we'll keep you updated. You know, we'll keep everyone listening updated on how the how the campaign's coming on and how the playtesting's going. Um, so if you're listening, we'll be back next week with another first episode of Not D&D. Um, I believe next week we are looking at Yaziba's Bed and Breakfast, so a different kind of tone shift there. Um, but if you have enjoyed this week's podcast, uh, please do take a look at MythcraftRPG.com and have a look at the Kickstarter. And consider backing because the best way um, to support indie tabletop creators is to buy their stuff. On that note, that's all from us this week. Thanks so much for listening. Bye. Bye.